Exodus chapter 25, please, Exodus chapter number 25, our lesson today, I know we've been in Exodus 25 a lot for this series of lessons, but we're going to make it all the way to chapter 40 in the book of Exodus this morning, Lord willing, in chapter 40 of Exodus, the final chapter of the book, the work of the tabernacle is completed, the tabernacle is pitched, the glory of God fills the tent, and what we're going to show this morning and study this morning is what it took on the part of Israel, on the part of Moses, and the part of the people, what it took to get to that point. There were some essential characteristics that brought about the completion of the construction of the tabernacle. And as we've seen throughout the course of our study, um, there will be some pictures of the person and the work of Jesus Christ, but then at the end of the lesson, some practical truth with application to our lives, and that's the point that we want to get to this morning. We'll have to go quickly to get there because there's a lot of material to cover. We've read this section many times. Let's read it once more to where it all starts in Exodus 25, verse 1. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speaking to the children of Israel, they may bring me an offering. For every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, ye shall take my offering. And this is the offering which ye shall take of them, gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair, and ram skins dyed red and badger skins and shittim wood oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, for sweet incense, onyx stones and stones be set in the ephod and the breastplate. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. According to all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle, the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall you make it. Again, God requests this offering to be brought on the part of the people after they've left Egypt, they're in the wilderness. And, and, and the immediate question is, what does God want with all this stuff? But it's answered in verses 8 and 9. He wants them to make a tabernacle, a sanctuary, a place where God could meet with them. Starting in chapter 25, verse 10, the Lord begins to show how the materials that were to be offered would be used in the different parts, the different pieces, the different items inside of the tabernacle. The passage goes on to explain what type of worship would be carried out in that tent. That's chapters 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, and 30. We'll come back to 31, 32 through 34. As you know, it's the incident with the golden calf that's outside the scope of our lesson this morning. Come to Exodus 35. Come to Exodus 35. In chapter 25, the offering was requested. God, God told Moses, tell the people, bring me, and then gives a list of stuff. Chapter 35, let's see how they respond. Exodus 35 and verse number 4 and Moses spake in all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord. That, that was commanded in chapter 25, referencing back ten chapters earlier. Whosoever is of willing heart, let him bring it an offering of the Lord, gold and silver and brass. The items are listed again in verses 6 through 19. We'll not read it. Jump ahead to verse 20. And all the congregation, the children of Israel, departed from the presence of Moses, and they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up, and everyone whom his spirit made willing, and they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation, and for all his service, and for the holy garments. The items that they brought are listed again, verses 22 through 28, look at verse 29. The children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord, every man and woman whose heart made them willing to bring for all manner of work, which the Lord had commanded to be made 
by the hand of Moses. Look at verse 4 of chapter 36. And all the wise men that wrought all the work of the sanctuary came every man from his work which they made. And the people and they spake unto Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded to make. And Moses gave commandment, they caused to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing, for the stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to make it and to much. So we've read many times how God had requested these different items for the preparation for the construction of the tabernacle. And when we make it to chapter 35 and we read into chapter 36, we find the people of Israel were stirred in their hearts. They were willing in their spirits. And all the stuff that, that it took to make the tabernacle was stuff that they willingly brought, they willingly gave. In fact, they gave in such abundance that the people who were using the stuff to make the stuff had to go to Moses and say, tell them to stop. We've got plenty and more than enough. So again, the offerings requested in chapter 25, the reason is explained in chapters 25 through 30. The materials we remember, and we'll come back to this, Lord willing, they came from the Egyptians. These guys were slaves. They didn't have stuff. Where they get all this stuff to make this offering that was given them from the Egyptians on the night of the Exodus. So here we find some people who are willing to give back to God what God has given to them. But it's, it, it's important to know, and here's our purpose this morning in, 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 in reading over those verses Without those gifts, the tabernacle could not have, would not have been constructed. Right? Okay, so that, that, that was one necessary aspect was the people's giving. Without their giving, without their willingness to give, this work never would have come to completion. Come to chapter 31. Because there's something else that was necessary. Somebody had to take all the stuff and do something with it. And make what God had commanded should be made. You could bring me, me all that stuff. And I might be able to organize it. I might be able to label it. I might be able to sell it. I might be able to... I couldn't make anything out of it. That would be a hopeless cause. But God had... Someone prepared. Exodus 31, verse number 1. The Lord spake to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the spirit of God and wisdom and understanding and knowledge and all manner of workmanship to devise cunning works, to work in gold and silver and brass and cutting of stones to set them, carving of timber to work in all manner of workmanship. And I said, And I, behold, I have given with him a holy ab, the son of Hissamach of the tribe of Dan, and in all hearts of all those that are wise-hearted I have put wisdom, that they may make all that I have commanded thee, the tabernacle of the congregation, the ark of the testimony, the mercy seat that is thereupon, the furniture of the tabernacle, the table and his furniture, and the pure candlestick with all his furniture, and the altar of incense, and the altar of burnt offering with all his furniture, and the laver in his foot, and the claws of service, and the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments of his sons to minister in the priest's office, and the anointing oil, and the sweet incense for the holy place, according to all that I have commanded thee, shall they do. God said, there are some people within the camp of Israel that I have gifted with the talent and ability that is necessary to do what needs to be done so that this tabernacle can be used for the worship and service of God. They can take the materials and from the materials 
make everything that I've said should be made. God called them to that purpose in Exodus 31. Look at Exodus 36. Exodus 36, not only were they called, not only were they equipped, but these also were willing. We find in Exodus 36 and verse number one, then wrought Bezalel and Aholiab and every wise hearted man in whom the Lord put wisdom and understanding to know how to work all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary. According to all the Lord had commanded, and Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab, and every wise-hearted man in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, even every one whose heart stirred him up to come into the work to do it. And they received of Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of the sanctuary to make it withal. And they brought yet unto him free offerings every morning. And all the wise men that wrought all the work of the sanctuary came every man from his work which they had made. And, and we read the following verses earlier. So here are some men who were, who were willing who were industrious and they took the materials and they applied their skill and their intellect and their creativity and their labor and their effort and they made all the stuff. Chapter 36, verse 8, they made the linen curtains. Verse 14, the curtains of goat's hair. Verse 19, the covering of ram's skins and badger's skins. We studied all of those. Uh, verse number 20, they made the boards and the sockets. Verse 31, they made the bars. Verse 35, they made the veils. Chapter 37, verse 1, they made the ark. Verse 6, the mercy seat. Verse 10, the table of showbread. Verse 17, the candlestick. Verse 25, the golden altar. Verse 29, the anointing oil. Chapter 38, verse 1, they made the brazen altar and the laver. Verse 8, verse 9, the hangings for the court. Chapter 39, the priestly garments. They, they took the materials and they used the materials to make the stuff. Now, this man, Bezalel, this man, Aholiab, the other wise-hearted men referenced in chapter 31 and chapter 36, they, they, they were called of God. They weren't called to be a priest. That was Aaron. They weren't called to lead the nation. That was Moses. They weren't called to the service of the tabernacle. That was the family of the Levites, like the Kohathites and the Merarites and the others. They weren't called to be soldiers. They were called to be workmen. Okay? What, what's, what's so important is not what they were called to be, but that what they were called to be, they were willing to be. And God had made Bezalel and God had created a Aholiab with, with certain skills and abilities and talents and opportunities. And what's amazing and what was so necessary is that those men took what God had made them and offered themselves willingly for his use. They offered to God the gifts, abilities, talents, opportunities that they had. They allowed the Lord to use them the way that God wanted to use them, intended to use them, created them to use them. And it's a great example to all of us. Okay, um, So what did it take? It took some people willing to give. It took some people who would take the talents and abilities God gave them and offer those things to the Lord. And then there's one more thing, and then we'll get into the picture and the application. Come to chapter 40. I promised we would. Chapter 40, verse number 1. And here the tabernacle is about to be pitched. Chapter 40, verse 1. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, On the first day of the first month shalt thou set up the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation. In verses 2 through 15, 
Well, just look at it. Verse two, shalt thou. Verse three, thou shalt. Verse four, and thou shalt. Verse five, and thou shalt. Verse six, and thou shalt. Verse seven, and thou shalt. Verse eight, and thou shalt. Verse nine, and thou shalt. Verse 10, and thou shalt. Verse 11, and thou shalt. Verse 12, and thou shalt. Verse 13, and thou shalt. Verse 14, and thou shalt. Verse 15, and thou In verses 2 through 15, God gives Moses 24 specific commandments and instructions. In the, in the course of 14 verses, God tells Moses, here's what I want you to do 24 times. You think your parents are rough on you sometimes? Try being Moses in Exodus 40. I mean, in the space of 30 seconds, he gets 24 commandments. Verse number 16, what do you do with it? Thus did Moses according to all that the Lord commanded him. So did he. That's a powerful testimony. Look at the end of verse number 19. As the Lord commanded Moses. End of verse 21. As the Lord commanded Moses. End of verse 24. As the Lord commanded Moses. Verse number 25. As the Lord commanded Moses. 27. As the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 29. As the Lord commanded Moses. Look at verse 34. Then... A cloud covered the tent of the congregation. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now, we, we did a great job. We really sped through all of that. And the reason is I want, to, I want to take some time to show you what it pictures. But there were three things that it took for the work of the tabernacle to be completed. Three necessary items that were on display both by Moses and by the people, and make sure I've got the order correct. Number one, we're just going to call willingness. Number two, giving. Number three, this sums up Moses in chapter 40 obedience. Willingness, giving, and obedience. The people brought the offering because they were willing to give. Uh, the, 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 the men who, who fashioned the, the items within the tabernacle, they were willing to give of themselves to, to offer their skill and their labors for the construction of the tabernacle. So they brought the gifts. They were willing and then Moses was obedient. He did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Without those three elements, this work would have would not have been completed as set forth by the Lord. Is that is that fair? Is that clear? Is that what we saw in the passages we've read thus far? Okay. Now, two things that I want to give you based upon that. Okay. So here's the foundation. Now let's build upon it. As, as we've seen from the very beginning, the tabernacle pictures the person and work of Jesus Christ. And in this lesson, in this case, it's no different. These same aspects that were essential to the construction of the tabernacle were the same aspects that were essential to the completion of Christ's work upon the earth. Jesus would not have accomplished what God the Father sent him into the world to accomplish 
outside of these three characteristics that were displayed on his part. What made it possible for Jesus to come and and execute his high priestly office? What made it possible for Jesus to come and accomplish the work for which he was sent into the world and, 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 and be the savior of all mankind? He was willing, just like Israel was willing. He was giving, just as people of Israel gave. And he was obedient, just as Moses was obedient. I'm just going to have time to read off the references to you. His willingness was on display in the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke 22 verse 44 when he prayed, "Father, not thy will, not not my will, but thine be done." In John 18 as he left the garden, he told Peter, "Put away your sword. The cup which the Father has given me to drink, shall I not drink of it. Later on, the same evening in Matthew 26, where he said, thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father, he shall give me more than 12 legions of angels. You understand this morning, biblically speaking, Jesus Christ did not have to come to the earth. He didn't have to do it. He was willing. Jesus Christ having come did not have to go to the cross. He didn't have to do it. He was willing. Jesus Christ, having gone to the cross, he did not have to stay there at any time. He could have spoken the word and found deliverance at the hand of 12 legions of angels, enough to wipe out the population of the earth and start all over again. He didn't have to stay on the cross. But he was willing. Not by force, but by choice. Not by force. By an act of His will that was submitted to that of the Father for the benefit and the blessing of all mankind, Jesus Christ was willing. Jesus Christ, because He was willing, He gave. He gave. John 6.51 says, I am living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give. For the life of the world. What did Jesus give? He didn't give money. He didn't just drop some coins in an offering. He gave himself. He gave his flesh. He gave his back to the whip. He gave his face to the to, to the shame and the spitting. He gave his hands to the nails. He gave his body to be offered upon the cross. He gave his life. He gave his flesh. John 10, 17, it wasn't forced upon him. Therefore, doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. Luke 22, 19, in the upper room, the last supper, he took bread, gave thanks and break it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Somehow. Christ's birth is celebrated as a season of giving, not to him, but to one another so that we can get stuff as well in exchange. The the time of giving was the time of his death. He just tried, tried to wrap your mind around what God has given to you, his very son. His son, what he has given you, he gave you his very life, his very flesh, his very body to be broken, to make a payment 
for our sins. Sometimes we feel sorry for ourselves. Why does anybody give me anything? Remember what Jesus gave you. Galatians 1.4, who gave himself for our sins. He gave himself. Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live yet. And I, but Christ liveth in me, life which I now live in flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Ephesians 5.25, husbands love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, and gave himself for it. 1 Timothy 2.6, he's the one mediator between God and man, and he gave himself a ransom for all. Titus 2.14, who gave himself for us. He might redeem us from all iniquity, purifying himself, peculiar people, zealous of good works. In order for us to be saved, in order for sins to be cleansed, it was going to take pure, spotless, sinless blood of a man who could be our substitute. And Jesus Christ was the only one who had it to give. He was willing to give it, and he gave. Okay? Without the people's giving, the tabernacle could not have been constructed. Without Christ's willingness to give, and without the gift that he offered, we could not be saved. But it wasn't just his willingness. It wasn't just his giving. It was his obedience. It's his obedience. In John 6, 38, Jesus made a statement he would often make, I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. In Hebrews 10, 7, he quoted from Psalm 40, verse 8, Then said I, Lo, I come, and the volume book is written to me, to do thy will, O God. He said in John 4, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. That, that is my purpose in life. That is my sustaining motivation. It's what keeps me going to do the Father's will. He, he would say, I don't do what I came to do. I, I, I don't do what I want to do. I do what the Father sent me to do. I don't say what I want to say. I say what the Father tells me to say. I'm not here to represent myself. I'm here to manifest the Father. In Matthew 5, 7, 17 and 18, he said, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. But to fulfill. That word fulfill is key throughout the Gospels. It's used 31 times. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. As Jesus hung on the cross, it says that the scripture might be fulfilled, he saith, I, I thirst. It's obedience. This is what the book said I'm supposed to do. It's what I'm going to do. It's what the Father sent me to do. I'm going to obey the Father. Probably one of the best passages on Christ's obedience, Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being the form of God, thought in our round to be equal with God, but made himself no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Hebrews 5, 7, it says, he learned obedience through the things which he suffered. Now that obedience not only allowed for his exaltation in Philippians 2, but it made possible our salvation in Hebrews chapter 2. So you see how the essential elements of the completion of the tabernacle seen in Israel are also seen in Jesus Christ. But but we're not just looking at a, a picture of the person and work of Jesus Christ. There's, supposed to, there's a correlation. There is an application. There are some lessons to be learned in reference to the church. 
Because the same characteristics that were necessary in order for the tabernacle to be constructed and the same characteristics that it took for Christ's work to be completed are the same items that are essential aspects of a strong, thriving New Testament church. The church is compared, at least in Ephesians 2 and 1 Peter 2, as well as some other passages, the church is compared to a building. And what did it take for Israel to build the tabernacle? It took willingness, it took giving, and it took obedience. What's it going to take for us to build God's church? It's going to take willingness and giving and obedience. Okay? So let's move back through each of those three points. Let's just try to apply them to ourselves for a minute this morning. Willingness. Willingness. Bezalel, uh, besides having a cool name, he is one of my favorite Bible characters. And that's probably at least partly due to the fact that he, he has all the skills that I so desperately lack. I, I am mechanically retarded. I can break stuff. I can't make stuff. I can damage things. I don't really fix things. So I envy Bezalel. Okay? What's, what's such a blessing about his example, whether you're mechanically inclined or not, is that you wouldn't consider his skill set particularly spiritual. Right? You wouldn't look at Bezalel and think, now there's a man that God can really use. Right? But, but what Bezalel had by way of talent and ability and opportunity was absolutely essential to the work of God. And because this man with those particular skills offered himself to the Lord, he was used in an incredible way. Let me try to, try, try to give you a modern example. When I think of Bezalel in the Old Testament, I think of Cody Stinson. Anybody know Cody Stinson? Bible Radio Network, okay? What well, Cody Stinson, and I'll, I'll send this to him. He doesn't mind me saying this. He is a techie. He is an electronics nerd, okay? He is a computer geek. That's what he is. He likes radios. He likes computers. He likes all that kind of stuff. When I met Cody Stinson, it was 2004, and he was from Spring City Baptist Church. I was from Sweet Springs Baptist Church. Our pastors were brothers. Brent Logan was pastor at Spring City. Joel Logan was pastor at Sweet Springs. And those two churches went on the same missions trip at the same time together down to the island of St. Lucia in the Caribbean to work with missionary Mike Gibson. And if I remember correctly, Cody Stinson was 14 years old at the time. I was one year his senior. I was 15 and that was the time in Cody's life when he surrendered his life to the service of God. Okay? God didn't make him a pastor. God didn't send him to the mission field. He isn't standing in a pulpit or leading a church this morning. But he has taken what God has made him and taken the interests and abilities and skills that God has given him. And he is being used by God in an incredible way to reach people all around the world with the gospel through radio and through the internet. And to help churches in their endeavors through those different uh, means. 
It's not a pastor, not a missionary. Bezalel wasn't a prophet. Bezalel wasn't a priest. Bezalel wasn't a spiritual leader of the people, but he was a spiritual man who could do physical labor, and he did it for God. And in Exodus 31 and in Exodus 36, his record is immortalized in Scripture. An eternal record is given of this man who gave himself to the Lord for what he could do. And this morning, God has given each and every one of us some skill, some spiritual gift, some ability. God made you the way that he made you on purpose and he has a part for you in his service. And if you would just willingly offer yourself to God, it doesn't matter if you're the pastor. Half of you are already disqualified. It doesn't matter if you're the missionary. It doesn't matter what it is that you do well. If you would do what you do well for the Lord, then God could use you and God will be pleased and people be blessed and the church can be built. It takes a lot more than a pastor to have a church. You need deacons. People who can just make good decisions. Can run their families by the Bible and be an example. Churches need those. You know what else you need? You need treasurers. You need people who know how to keep track of money properly, ethically, legally. Not, not just anybody can do that. There have to be people with certain skills and abilities to be used in that way. A church needs singers and choir leaders and musicians. And it's a lot better if they actually know what they're doing. Right? So, so here's the thing. You have to be willing, but, but everybody has to be willing because everybody has different skills. And all of those skills and gifts are necessary For the thing to come together and be built up in the proper way. A church needs nursery organizers and nursery workers and facilities managers and maintenance people and and administrative people and and people to clean and people to maintain it. It's not just anybody, but people of character and people of skill are needed to fill those positions. Here's what I'm saying to you this morning. Don't discount the gifts and abilities that God has given you, whatever they are, just whatever gifts and abilities God has given you, give those back to him and let him use you like he used Bezalel. Okay, willingness to an essential aspect of the building of a church. And then giving. Giving. Um, this church has a unique history and over the course of its 30 plus years, God has faithfully supplied the needs of this ministry. But guess what? God doesn't mail checks. God doesn't have a money tree in the backyard of the church. God doesn't put cash in the offering box. You know who does? People who love God and are willing to give. Okay, so so God supplies the needs, but God uses people to supply the needs. People who are willing to give of what God has given them. Remember where the Israelites got the stuff they got that they brought so the tabernacle could be built? Well, they got it from the Egyptians. Basically, the Lord gave it to them. And when they gave the Lord, they were giving back to God what he had given them. And is that not the case with all of our giving? Whenever we give anything to God, it's something he gave us in the first place. It, it, it ought not be viewed as some great sacrifice. First Chronicles twenty nine fourteen. David made this statement. Who am I 
And what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. That would help us to be able to have that attitude and that perspective and that approach. God, when I, I am happy to have something to give to you, and, and what I'm giving to you, it's not mine anyway. You gave it to me. I'm just the steward of it. So I'm giving to God of what God has given to me. In Deuteronomy 8, 18, the Bible says, Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. Why? I earned this. I worked for this. Not if God didn't give you the strength to get out of bed. Not if God didn't give you a brain that half functions. Not if God didn't give you hands and feet that work and muscles that attack. God gave you the power to get whatever wealth you ever gain. And so again, what we have to give comes from God. And, and, and you would be so far ahead if you would learn this lesson at this point in your life. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Because you can't have a strong church that isn't a giving church. And you can't be a strong Christian if you have not learned and experienced and appreciate the joy and the blessing of giving. Now, obviously, when we speak about giving, it's not just money. But obviously, money is a good indicator of where your heart is. Because it's, it's, it's often true that if you're unwilling to give the Lord your money, chances are really good there are other areas where you're holding back as well. It's not necessarily a money problem. It's more of a heart problem. It's a package deal. Okay, So, willingness, giving, and obedience. Obedience. The importance of obedience is seen in Exodus 40. Go back there and we'll end with this. What I want to highlight, what I want to show you, is what happened as a result of Moses' obedience. What happened as a result of Moses' obedience? We read the verses, Exodus 40, verses 34 and 35. Then a cloud covered the tent of the tabernacle, or the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. You see, you see what happened? The people gave, those skilled worked, Moses obeyed, the tabernacle set up, and then the glory of God sweeps in and fills the thing. Here is God's presence among the people. The tabernacle is also a picture of the Christian, right? We, 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 we are in this tabernacle, 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, it's our body. Here's what happens when you get saved. The Holy Spirit comes in and moves in. He lives inside of the believer. The New Testament teaches that all saved people are indwelt by the Spirit of God. Don't have time to read the verses. 1 Corinthians 3.16, 1 Corinthians 6.19, Romans 8, verses 9 through 11, just to name a few. We, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, but we're also commanded to be Filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5.18, and be filled with the Spirit. Okay? And we read of this taking place in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, different places, and there's a difference. The indwelling of the Spirit, every saved person has that. The filling of the Spirit is not something every saved person experiences. Okay? 
the indwelling of the Spirit that happens when you get saved and He never leaves you. The filling of the Spirit, that is conditional. That is maybe volatile. <laughs> that, that can come and go. The indwelling of the Spirit, that's when you have the Spirit. But the filling of the Spirit, that's when the Spirit has you. Does it make sense? The indwelling of the Spirit, that's when you have the Spirit. If you're saved, you have that. The filling of the Spirit, that's when the Spirit has you. That's when God is in control of your life. That's when He is empowering your service and, 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 and using you and directing you. So the question then is, how can I have this? How I'm commanded to be filled with the Spirit. How can I be filled with the Spirit? And the answer is the same as in Exodus 40. It's yielded obedience. When did the, when did the Holy Spirit, when the glory of God come to fill the tabernacle? When Moses did according to all that God commanded him. See, I think we get in our minds that the Spirit's going to fill me, then I'm going to obey God. Biblically, the order is reversed. I'm going to obey God and that's when the Spirit will fill me and enable me and empower me. A lot of people think, if God would make me bold, I would go and witness. It's not how it works. You go and witness, and God will make you bold. People think, if God would give me grace, I can get through this trial. No, when you get in the trial, God gives you grace. Well, if God will direct me, then I'll do what he said. No, you do what he said, and then he'll direct you. Well, if God would fill me the Spirit, then I would obey. No, if you obey, He will fill you with the Spirit. That's, that's the result. That's the outcome of your obedience. So the same three things that allowed the tabernacle to be pitched, the same three things that allowed Christ to accomplish His work are the same three things that it's going to take for us. Right? Just because you're a teenager doesn't mean you're not a member of the church. Are you saved? You're a member of the church. You're part of this building. You're part of this body. And in order for the church to be built, here's what's going to take on your part and on my part. Willingness and giving and obedience. And I'm asking you to search your heart this morning and see if, if those three characteristics are present in your life. Okay? Father, thank you for your word this morning, how it challenges us, how it teaches us. Thank you for the truth that it contains. Lord, sure do thank you for these teenagers. Pray that you'd use them in a great way for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ in his name. Amen.